Southeast Radio's morning mix. Morning, Alan. Well, let's look at what's happening on the European front. As I said, it's a while since we've spoken to you. So when it comes to Ireland, and I know that the President has given her State of the Union address, um, what can you take or what can you share with us that has, I suppose, an emphasis on what's happening here? What, what, what people at home sometimes uh, don't realise, and the media don't do it for them, is they don't really join the dots on everything that's happening in Europe in Ireland, in the world, because it's all we're living in a global economy, and everything is connected. And the decisions that are made in Brussels have an impact on the lives of the people in Wexford. The, the, the decisions made in Beijing and Washington often have an impact on the lives of people in Wexford, but it's not presented that way, and people actually don't realise that the, too often the dots are not being joined. Okay, if, if you talk about the State of Union address. I mean, uh, for example, uh, she she bought. I mean, her state of the union dress was was demoralising, right? Uh, it was. I mean, it was very heavily criticised as well, right? But she's very much out of touch with the ordinary people of Europe, and she gave. She spoke for over an hour, right? But she was really only speaking to about ten percent of the people of Europe, less probably, right? The elites, the better off, right? And big industry, uh, and. You know, that has an impact. The decisions being made here uh, are impacting on people in Wexford, and even whether they know it or not. Right, OK, I'll just go through a couple of the points that she, she highlighted, right? Well, for a start, I mean, she talked about the fact that, oh, our union today is wonderful, and uh, we the, oh, we've, we've, uh, we're an entity that works for peace and prosperity. Now, listen, the European Union is an entity that has done absolutely nothing to try and stop the war. There's been no effort at peace and diplomacy, uh, a, a dialogue on diplomacy to bring about peace. And uh, twice at the Strasbourg plenary, myself and Claire Daly had an, an amendment in to the resolution on Ukraine-Russia, and the amendment called on the European Union to maximise its efforts to commence dialogue on diplomacy with a view to bringing about peace and ending the war and the loss of lives that are taking place there. That was defeated by about 80%. That was voted against by about 80% of the MEPs. This is a war which we refuse to try and stop, and it has led to about a cost-of-living increase of about 17% for food alone and energy much higher. And this is having an impact on the people in Wexford. Mm. It's, 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 I don't know how in God's name people are paying their bills if you have a 17% increase in, in food prices and uh, multiples of that in energy prices and nobody even dreams of putting up wages more than 3% in a year. She was attacking China as usual, right? I mean, what in God's name is wrong with us? Why we need to be working with China, not against them, right? It's not in our financial interest. The Americans are trying to drive a wedge between the European Union and China, and it's not in the interest of the people of Europe. It's not in the interest of the people of Wexford that uh, that Europe falls out with China, because Ireland has a very good arrangement with China, we sell three times more to the Chinese than we buy off them. 
And yet we had uh, the Taoiseach and Michal Martin at different stages talking about, oh, we must de-risk from China because von der Leyen is saying the same thing. We need to have a good relationship with China, not talk about de-risking and decoupling. Can I move, okay. on, to, can I move on to the European Union providing Ukraine with 50 billion euro? And I have a question that's really relevant to Wexford. The question is, is Europe reimbursing the member states in respect of the costs incurred with providing housing and social welfare supports to refugees? Because there are major concerns that we're at a breaking point here in this country at the moment. In the, the amount of refugees we're taking in, there are a number of people who believe we've done our bit. I've always said that we should have uh, an open arms to people fleeing war, fleeing uh, economic deprivation and whatever, right? Uh, people who's, uh, who are in dire straits, right? But I mean, pe- people at home know very well that we had a very racist approach to a lot of the refugees and migrants that were trying to come to Ireland from war-torn countries like Syria, like Iraq, like Afghanistan, Yemen, Libya. We didn't want to see those people, and we, used, we had an incredible struggle to get more than a 1,000 of any of those nationalities in, right? It was a real struggle. Right now, people at home now, and and listen, people, we're right to take in the, the Ukrainian refugees uh, because they're fleeing war as well. And um, but people are very uh, can see clearly now that we were racist about it because we're happy to take in the Ukrainians because they're white and Christian, and it, uh, it's part of the U.S. NATO thing as well. It, it fits in with that, uh, but we didn't want to take in the other refugees. We are blatantly racist. Who who are you talking about when you say we? I'm, ta- I'm talking about the government. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the government. You believe I'm the, government. the government? Yeah. The, go- the, go- the government has enshrined racism in how they're dealing uh, with refugees and migrants coming into Ireland. We have a different law for the Ukrainians than we, ha- that, than we have for the Afghans and the Iraqis and the, and the Tunisians and the uh, Yemenis, right? We have a different, different, different rules for them. Hmm. I'd like to get the, uh, an interesting thought process and we'd like to get the reaction of our listeners to that and from the government as well, of course. To go back to your question about the money, the EU, we haven't got a figure for the amount of our money that Ireland has got from the European Union to pay for the cost of looking after the Ukrainians in Ireland. I mean, I believe there's over 80,000 Ukrainians gone to Ireland now. But uh, the, the, the European Union in total says that it has spent £17 billion uh, accommodating migrants across Europe. There's no point in me guessing how much Ireland has got, but uh, roughly, yes, have I mean, you any idea what the cost, Ireland has got? Well, I mean, if Europe has got 17 million, a billion, in to, if Europe is, the European Union has given 17 billion, they're saying that's what it's cost them uh, to give member states to accommodate uh, refugees from Ukraine. So, are we getting one fiftieth of the money? Because one, if you divide 17 billion into by 50, you know, it's over 300,000. Okay. 300 million, right? Sorry, 300 million, right? So, uh, but, uh, but I'm, there's no point in me saying what Ireland has got when I don't know the figure. But I'm just saying the EU says it has given 17 billion towards the accommodation of yeah. Ukrainian refugees across Europe. And if, if you do the maths on it, it was, it would have, I would anticipate that Ireland has got okay. somewhere in around 300 million, but I don't know. But now, uh, by way of conclusion, let's look at the European Union's um, providing 50 billion euros uh, to uh, rebuild Ukraine. uh, This is hot on the agenda and you believe it's not getting enough coverage at all? This is a a massive story, right? And it's it's going to... It'll be voted on 
uh, actually be voted on in, tri- in, in plenary in the second session in October, with two sessions in Strasbourg in October, and it'll probably go to trial and be finalised before Christmas, if not latest in January, right? So well, what's happening here is that the European Union now is going to commit $50 billion towards re- the reconstruction of Ukraine. Okay. It's also the same part. It's also linked into uh, making Ukraine fit for uh, entry into the European Union. Okay, to date, right, we have spent, the European Union says it has spent seven, $72 billion. Up, up to June 23, we had already spent $72 billion on Ukraine. We're now going to commit $50 billion over the, up to the now in 2027 on reconstructing Ukraine. We have also committed $20 billion to arm Ukraine for the next four years. Think about it now. They said they're going to do, give them $5 billion a year whether the war stops or not. So think about this from a business point of view. And I'm, on, I'm the shadow for our group on this file. And we've had, we've had some uh, incredible arguments last week on this issue, right? But, I mean, so we're going to spend, we're going to spend $20 billion pumping in more arms to make sure the war doesn't stop. And we're going to spend $50 billion on the other end uh, starting to rebuild it. Right. So we're going to be continuing to help destroy it by putting in more arms. And we're going to be rebuilding at the same time. Now, is that good business sense? Now, I'm not saying that Ukraine shouldn't get help, but we should be trying to stop the war. And, but hold on a minute now. 50 billion. They are not being totally honest with the people of Europe or the people of Wexford or Ireland because you will not reconstruct Ukraine for 50 billion. It will cost a trillion at least, and everybody knows it, only they won't say it. There's so many atrocities going on. I read a report yesterday in one of our local, uh, one of our national papers, whereby I think it was a UN report talked about the atrocities around the Odessa area um, and what's going on there is absolutely abominable. I mean, you have to appreciate. Yeah, I do. I do. Come here. Listen, I've condemned the Russian invasion from the start. Right. right? And I've been described by Irish media as a Putin puppet because I want peace. Right? No, I, I, we we had we had Stoltenberg, the head of NATO, in, and I got the answer, asked him questions. I had over three minutes with him. Not once in he was with us for an hour and a half. Not once did he talk about the Ukrainian numbers dying. We had the defence industry in last week, and they had three speakers, right. and they were talking about the need how Europe must spend more money on military hardware. Right. The three of them had spoken twice before I got in to ask questions. And I said to them, the three of you have spoken three, uh, spoken twice each uh, tonight, today, right? Not one of you have mentioned the number of Ukrainians that are dying, I said. Why, I said. How can you be so disconnected, I said, from the realities of what's happening on the ground in Ukraine? Because I said, you just want to sell arms, I said, because that's how you make your money. And I said, you want this war to continue, I said. I said, if I made raincoats, I said, and umbrellas, I wouldn't be able to sell them, I said, if it didn't rain. I said, and ye won't sell your arms, I said, unless there's wars, I said. Ye want wars, I said, and ye make money out of it. It was, I mean, I made a video of it, right? People want to see it, right? But I mean, uh, there's terrible things happening, and the amount of people that have died in Ukraine is horrific. But I have never, ever in my lifetime seen so little effort from the Europeans hmm. to stop a war that's taking place in okay. Europe. We have, we have a housing crisis in Ireland. We have a housing crisis in several countries in Europe. People are waiting 
too long to get a, an operation in a hospital in Ireland and in many parts of Europe too. It's called, affordable health care is a problem for many. Social services are not as good as they should be. And we are throwing billions at the arms industry. What is wrong with us? Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Southeast.